0: when we talk about money we can all feel like we're all talking about the same thing but if you ask someone you know what the money means to them you can just asking that question uh, you can find out that there's a whole world of um, assumptions whole world of thoughts uh, around it and so what you find is that you know Everyone has uh, a different story about money. And not only everyone, but I have a different story about money uh, in every moment, in every relationship, Mm. um, in every transaction. There's something else. uh, It means something else to me. And so if we're talking about money without talking about what it means, we don't know what we're talking about.
1: Welcome to the Happy Entrepreneur podcast. This is a podcast for people who look at business differently. It's for founders, freelancers, change makers and freedom seekers who want to make money, do good and be happy. We choose the path of the happy entrepreneur not to get rich, but to express ourselves and serve others in the most authentic way we can. Many of us couldn't find our role by working for others, and so we chose to work for ourselves. We took the more uncertain path, not because we wanted to, but because we needed to. We value learning, play, and friendship, and we have a need to make a meaningful impact in the world. By following the path of the happy entrepreneur, we learn as much about ourselves as we do about business. On this podcast, I have conversations with other happy entrepreneurs from different walks of life, industries, and countries. We talk about the journey and about what we learned about ourselves along the way. For us, entrepreneurship isn't just a way to make money, but a journey of self-discovery and growth. If you're on the same path and are looking for inspiration and connection, then this podcast is for you. For this episode, Lawrence and I are joined by the amazing Charles Davies, one of our teachers and guides, and also the founder of How To Be Clear. Charles has devoted most of his working life to trying to understand what clarity is And how it works. He talks to us about money and what it means to us, not in terms of the mechanics of value exchange, but about how our relationship and attitudes to it gives us insight into our inner world. During these uncertain times, our relationship to money is going to manifest itself more strongly in the way we behave and the decisions we make. Learning more about how that works will help you make better decisions. Enjoy.
2: Get out of this. Yeah. Um I'd also like how we know you and how this all came about. And I think for people just to know that everyone's going through similar shit in different ways. Yeah. Cool. Is it recorded now?
1: <laughs> well, uh, we are we are live. Uh it's I think the Facebook uh live stream is working. Yes. Mm-hmm. Last time was a complete nightmare. Um well, So we have 23 people watching live. So if you are watching live, um, please say hello in the chat. It's, it's nice to know that people are, are actually paying attention. <laughs> um, uh, and also there's a, a, I don't know if you've see, seen earlier in the chat, there's an option to actually ask a question. So if you have any questions right now, that'd be awesome. That'll also guide our conversation. If you have a question that comes up for you during the uh while we're chatting please post it in there and they'll be easier for us to keep track and then towards the end of this call we'll try and address uh as many of the questions as, p- as possible hi farah hi leanne excellent cool we have people watching real people okay. yeah. real people real people um so we're not, for the zoom.
2: Huh? we're not on zoom
1: and we're not on zoom. it feels like yeah. being in a
2: different country yeah Come on guys, oh, let's like going
1: out. keep this professional, right? We need to intro this properly for people Sorry. listening. I'll leave Li- it. Not live, okay?
2: Over to you, Kyle.
1: Oh. Ah, okay. Welcome to the Happy Entrepreneur Live, live podcast. Uh, this is uh, Lawrence and um, my attempt to bring a little bit of sanity to our lives once a week uh, and to kind of process what's gone on during the week. And to an opportunity to talk to some amazing people to help us reset what's going on so that we feel a little bit more connected to to our, to each other so that we can deal with all the uncertainty that's all over the place. And we are super grateful to have the amazing Charles Davies with us today, our teacher, mentor, friend, guide, funny man. <laughs> uh, nice. And the theme of this call is how to worry less about money uh we're not going to give you any silver bullets we're not going to tell you how to make loads of money by oh doing calls oh damn sorry I'm off. <laughs> but we hopefully will give you a, a space to just share any questions you have we'll talk about what's going on for us and through that hopefully you'll just feel a little less stressed um but before we go into that uh why don't we just check in uh how you're doing Hmm.
2: Yeah, I'm good. It's 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 warm and sunny here. So I think that's making Easter feel slightly different to last week maybe. Um, but yeah, I wasn't even aware it was Good Friday and hence we've got this webinar organized so trying to remember what day it is. Never mind what weekend it is or who am I and what work I'm doing. So yeah, pretty good.
0: Cool. How are you doing Charles? I'm good. Uh I've been out to Aldi this morning already. So uh I feel like I've you know seen the world. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and I'm doing all right. It's been um uh I feel like the first couple of weeks when this stuff was landing I was uh it was it felt exhausting and it felt like there was a lot to process but without really um knowing how or what to do. It just felt like I just have to wait this out to kind of, um, I guess it's finding some sort of normality, isn't it? Some sort of like, oh, okay, this is how things are now. And um, I feel a little bit like I'm there now. Like I can say, all right, let's do some things. And um, and then, yeah, I think I was just saying before we came on, feeling uh, um, kind of a responsibility uh, to be talking about this when It can It can easily be an extreme situation for a lot of people at the moment um, where Obviously there's an uncertainty um, Obviously money can very directly be an issue quite suddenly um, with I mean, I've you know, I've lost plenty of work and you guys probably have as well. Well, you've had all kinds of disruption, right? Um, and then knowing that that you know that kind of uncertainty showing up at the best of times uh is challenging but on top of like everything else at the moment uh it can feel like you have even i can imagine it can feel like you have even less space
1: Mm.
0: mental emotional resources or capacity or, or just time to yourself probably um to deal with it and maybe a lot less um strategies Hmm. like if it's like oh i'm feeling stressed i'll go and get a coffee no you know i'll go for a long walk Mm. once a day uh you know that it can be a very confronting time i think because we we can't rely on lots of the things that we might normally rely on going going seeing a friend to talk something through Um, so i think it's a yeah i think it's a smart move us to be here and uh, have this talk
1: so i think there's there's aspects there where i would be lovely to talk further um around than what the why. i hear is this kind of balance between being and doing and how people are tackling that uh, given uncertainty before we go into that it'd be nice to actually uh ha- get people to know more about you if they haven't and met you before or know more about your work so they give that a context mm-hmm. and also for those who don't know much about us uh they uh, i assume we're assuming most of you come through our mailing list but we've also posted this on medium and then some people from from linkedin so if if you just discovered this and you thought oh what's this about in terms of worrying about less about money and why are these happy startup guys talking about it uh, maybe we'll just give some context for people to know a bit more so uh lawrence you know maybe share with people you know who are we, Happy Startup? And why are we called the Happy Entrepreneur and it's called the Happy Startup School? What's all that about? <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, well, hello, everyone, first and foremost. Um, I mean, the, the Happy Startup School, we started, what, seven seven or eight years ago now? Um, even last month feels like a lifetime ago. So seven or eight years ago feels like another generation. Um, but, yeah, we started with the intention to, at the time, help people start businesses that had more purpose and meaning to them. Um, but over the years, that's evolved much more as our community has grown with us. And as we've grown, I think, as, as people to to really support anyone who wants to do work that matters to them. And that could be entrepreneurs. But I think more than anything, it's a mindset. And so hence, this podcast webinar, Call It What You Will, is really based around the individual rather than a business or stage of business. And I think that's one thing we've probably always had with us since day one. But maybe it's owning that a bit more because I think we we get our our kicks from helping individuals and leaders and helping them to have everything they need to to do the thing they want to do. And Charlie's some of the one of the people um who's who's helped us the most over this journey, you know, coming through that transition from running our agency to to uh taking on the Happy Startup School as our main gig. Um as well as pretty much an ever present at all, all the events we do, summer camp, altitude. And yeah, many people in our community have been charlied so to speak it's now a verb <laughs> uh, yeah. not, that, not that kind of verb <laughs>
1: <laughs> well it's really interesting uh, and i, I really uh, distinctly remember a situation when we when we first met charlie and then relating to the journey of our work in love when we started it was about teaching tactics and strategies to get businesses you know started as well as taking into account for the happiness and on that journey mm. ourselves we've learned more about actually most people don't get started not because they don't know how to there's something else that's blocking them there's something else that's stopping them there is a fear or a belief and um when when we were making that decision between was it agency continue the agency or do happy Star school there was something that that charlie told us and maybe you can share that lawrence about where why we would have something in common
2: <laughs> i can't remember the exact line um it was something to do with like 're web if you're a web agency we've got nothing in common. If you're the happy startup school we've got everything in common. Um, and that really hit home because uh, you know we were at the time I think it's a good example of when you're so close to something you can't see it yourself. Because, and we find this a lot you know coaching a lot of entrepreneurs is you know what's obvious to someone else isn't obvious to you And so understanding that this almost values match that we have with Charlie and so many other people was around this new thing that we wanted to do but we were in this kind of predicament of there's the right thing to do. And then there's like the pragmatic, sensible thing to do. And and those two things didn't seem to work together. So I think just having another voice and and someone whose opinion would be really valued, really helped to make that decision easier Um, as well as the community we'd already built who were kind of giving us that sort of push over the edge almost. So um, yeah, we've seen that happen a lot. And I think Charlie's work so much about clarity. um, We've learned, I think the hard way that clarity, when you've got it, gives you access to so much else. And and it's almost the the bedrock of, of every decision you have to make as an entrepreneur, I think, is, you know, if you're not clear, then people won't know what you're trying to do. They won't understand what, what you're trying to do. Money might not come in. But as soon as you are clear, then it, it's almost like a magnet to other people. So I think that's why we're big advocates for Charlie's work. And it's been this journey together to kind of understand what that looks like for people who run teams, teams themselves, as well as, you know, communities like ours, then it's been this kind of ongoing journey, really, like a life long journey of, of learning.
1: So, yeah, we're talking a lot about being clear, and, and I think we should probably get the, the expert on clarity to maybe share what that means to him and also give us a bit of a background about your work, Charlie.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, I, I think you summed it up really well, Lawrence, of uh, it feels like we're on the same path Uh the happy startups and and then me with my work where uh you do such great work of calling the community together and creating these spaces so that people can meet and learn together and i I don't do so much of that i do a lot more of um sitting quietly trying to work things out and um and like taking what i learn and uh bringing it to people who need help whether it's you know in a a workshop or, or through coaching or through uh training mentoring different things um and and seeing (coughs) seeing, seeing what works and um and it was probably about six or seven years ago that i hit on clarity as being the thread that that pulled together all the different things i was working on but it it started off i think with um like one of my first jobs after uni was was working for the the face magazine which was basically uh editing stories writing stories about very creative people in you know fashion art politics uh music um and and kind of being confronted with like that the, these people don't work the way that I've been taught to work that um you know I've been a very good boy and uh you know got the marks I needed to get and turned up at the right time for lessons at school and, you know, got however many marks out of 20, whatever it is. Um, But that wasn't what these people were doing. I sort of saturated in this world where people weren't following rules. They didn't even really have an employer necessarily. Um, And I had two big influences then. One one was um, working with the Chaos Pilot School in Denmark um, and seeing this sort of totally different culture of, you know, happy entrepreneurs really um, back then where they were coming from that that angle of mindset and what? how do I need to sort of develop my understanding of myself and the world in order to do the work that I want to do? How do I do the work that I want to do as opposed to just getting a, a job? Um, and so that's was one really big influence. And then the other one was working with a Russian music Svengali in Moscow Ivan Shapovlov, who was a um, child psychiatrist, mass psychologist, spin doctor, and ad man, who decided to launch a platinum-selling uh, girl band by using the, the, the sort of knowledge that he gained there um, in his other sort of disciplines. And it was this thing of just seeing like, this person doesn't operate the way that anyone else I've met in work or school or whatever operates. And we'd go and have meetings with um like heads of huge media companies and it would just be like i have what are you doing how does this work but he just wouldn't follow any rules at all um and it was a little bit like being broken Mm -hmm. I, I, i went and got some other jobs it was very hard to just sit and do a job when you see there's these other Ways of approaching it, and so I think I spent the next fifteen years trying to work out what that was. Like, how, what is this sort of really creative way of working? What is this way of working that starts from your own vision of what you want to bring to the world, or your own mm-hmm. vision, idea of what what's needed? And um, and I, I've had I've had tons of great teachers uh, along the way. Um, one of them, Peter Koenig, introduced me to this whole idea of exploring your relationship with money, which seemed like the weirdest concept, uh, in 2005. And so I've been working with him since then. And um, and the work with money is really woven in with the work on, on clarity. Um, and it's been a, a big thread. And I've kind of moved into other territory recently, spending a lot of time looking at um, at meditation and at, like the what we can learn from ancient wisdom, and the sort of maybe neglected insights that we can bring into everyday life through them. But just just recently, the sort of money has arisen again. There's like, oh, this is we should probably have another chat about this.
1: <laughs> nice.
2: I remember you saying, I think it's might be in the first summer camp many moons ago, something like, you know, you've worked in lots of fields, but found that. When you bring up, bring up money as a topic, it's almost like a window into someone's soul. How, how would you kind of, for someone who's never heard anything like that before as a statement, how would you try and get that message across? Because I think one of the things you do well, I think in all the stuff you've done is not just teaching clarity, but actually clarity in the words and the maybe because your background in journalism, I'm assuming that helps, but just being able to get a message across in a clear way is something we see people struggle with. Yeah. Um. I mean I think the the easiest place to start
0: is just that familiarity of you can have a really nice evening in in a restaurant with your closest friends and have a beautiful time and then the bill comes, and someone's had two bottles of wine and someone else had three starters and and you can just feel you know all the oxygen go out of the room or like mm-hmm. all the kind of hidden um show up and um and then in, in business as well, you know, you can have a really lovely meeting with someone and you'll be like, okay, it'll well, be really great. Uh, you know, we should probably work together. Yeah, you know, I'm really excited about what you're doing. Okay, well, we should probably talk about money, you know. Mm. And like, uh, I can say less and less. Uh, I, I, I find the conversation about money more and more enjoyable. Um, but I, I know that can often be the bit where um, I'd almost say like if you're, starting to work with someone uh if you skip the bit about money you'll you probably miss some really vital information mm. because you don't get to that kind of maybe it can be a reality check of like okay are we uh are we talking about a hundred or a thousand or mm. or ten thousand, you know and i think the if we're talking about the reason why it's it can be so, um, it can be like a window to people's soul or something like that is um, when we talk about money, we can all feel like we're all talking about the same thing, you know, money, right? You know, money, like the, I, you know, here's my credit card, I've some cash over there, but who uses
2: cash these days? Carlos's um,
0: uh, Apple phone, <laughs> Apple watcher. Yeah. And, um, and you can think that you're talking about the same thing. Hmm. But if you ask someone you know, what the money means to them, you can just asking that question, uh, you can find out that there's a whole world of um, assumptions, a whole world of thoughts uh, around it. So um, I think something we, we've done in the past was if, if you just give someone some money for no reason, or oh. ask someone for some money for no reason, Oh, uh, you know, can I have 20 quid? Why? Oh, just, can I, can I have 20 quid? Uh, or, or, you know, oh, can I give you 20 quid? What? What? Is it all right if I just give you 20 quid? What? Um, and in that moment, one of you might feel like, oh, I'm being really generous. And the other might feel like, oh, you're being really patronising. Mm. Um, or um, someone might think that, uh, like, that money um, means survival um, or, you know, so like having the money taken away could be a threat to your survival or um, someone else might think that money is uh, it's a sign of kind of corruption, say, and then being given the money is a threat. Mm. Um, and, and so what you find is that, you know, everyone has uh, a different story about money and not only everyone, but I have a different story about money uh, in every moment, in every relationship, Mm. um, in every transaction. There's something else. uh, It means something else to me. And so if we're talking about money without talking about what it means, we don't know what we're talking about. Mm.
1: Can I um, I just going to say before, the because the, there's a lot of work or a lot of stuff below the money and I was thinking just to, to give people a way uh, of maybe a place where we could get to or where we'd like people to get to in this conversation could you describe maybe a way where or, uh, how money could really work well in your life and, and as an example of where money doesn't work could really work badly in your life maybe is to give a bit of a handhold for people say oh, I could go that way or I could go that way and then we can then navigate which way they could go, how they could tackle taking the a path that serves them best, that makes sense
0: So I think um, maybe the first thing to say is there's no wrong story about money and there's no, or, or more accurately there's no right story about money uh, It's like I'm not going to say, the, well the meaning of money is uh, safety so there you go, that's done um, It's it's more that um, you have to accept that it's always going to be changing. Um, like, if you want to get the best out of a mirror, it's worth knowing that you're going to see something different in there all the time. You know, it's, it's not a painting. It's a, it's a um, the content is always changing. And so if you can look at money that way and accept that, oh, it functions in this way that you see something different, um, when you look at it, depending on the situation, depending on the context, then uh, paying attention to what the stories are can inform you, you know, can give you insight to what's happening. Whereas not looking at the stories or trying to um, kind of neglect them uh, or, or be in conflict with them uh, makes things more difficult. Um, and so I'd say where the, where the trouble comes from with money is when it's kind of like when our story of money gets stuck, right? So if I think that money is one thing, like I assume that money always means um, power. And then someone offers me some money and they might be meaning it as a way to, to help or a sign of love or friendship, or whatever it is. If I think, oh, well, money always means power. So they mean power. They're trying to have power over me by giving me this money. Mm. Then it means I'm not paying attention to what's happening here and now. I'm, I'm holding on to a story that I, that may have been true at some point, you know, that like, um, you know, in a job or a family relationship or an early experience with money or, or my own, you know, whatever it is. Um, and so, uh, the trouble starts when you kind of fall into like a, 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 an autopilot of, um, of a kind of bias or prejudice that just says, what's happening now is this. Mm. When this person's giving me some money or asking for some money, they mean this by it because that's mm. always the story. And, um, but it's not always the story. You know. It's like saying, I don't need to look in the mirror today because yesterday it looked like this. Um, it's like no, you have to keep on checking, and so um, the the kind of where you could get to with it is being able to switch from a kind of unquestioning money autopilot, where you bring your bias and prejudice and conditioning um, to the conversations you have with people and the conversations you have with yourself and are therefore unable to be clear, unable to see what's happening here and now, unable to make decisions based on what's actually needed here and now. Um, So you move away from that unclear autopilot uh, to a position where you're clear, where Mm. you're paying attention to what's happening here and now, Mm. where you might uh, notice what stories you have about the money, um, but you can check them.
2: It sounds like the first point of a lot of this is just awareness um it's funny when you're talking about the the meal you know it's a common it's just really awkward isn't it from you know you, you, like you said you, f- you get to know someone well with how they react in that situation i find but yeah, it does bring out the worst in a lot of us
0: <laughs> um,
2: but then I, I equate that to if i go to see my relatives in ireland and it's the complete opposite they're like fighting to pay <laughs> yeah yeah and it's like a battle of wills and there's a different thing going on there which it feels like there's a value or some kind of, um, status. driver. Yeah. Well, I'm not, yeah, I'm not trying to judge it, but there's something driving it, which is making them people and act in a certain way to so see my relatives fighting over each other to pay the bill is, is, it's about, you know, maybe it's status or maybe it's just about, um, you know, pride or whatever. There's things going on there. Um, so how do you see that overlapping with sort of people's values in terms of what it is, what's important to them and how they were, how they were brought up, I guess, because, I'm guessing a lot of this stuff might come from our parents or our, our, our upbringing
0: yeah yeah so I, I think um, I think of it in terms of commitments like when I talk about being clear and all all the work around clarity like recently more and more I'm seeing it, it comes down to commitment mm-hmm. where um, when when you're having that conversation in the restaurant uh, like with your relatives or with your your friends um, What you're what's actually happening is you're you're meeting their commitments so um, What you see when you're when everyone's fighting to pay They're saying like no no, let me I'm gonna put down 20. No, I'm gonna pay 50. I'm gonna pay you know 100 whatever it is Uh, It sounds like they're talking about the numbers and it sounds like they're talking about the the money But what they're really doing is they're talking about their commitments.
2: Hmm.
0: They're saying like uh, I'm the father here and uh, in order to be the father, um, my commitment is to ensure that everyone's provided for. And in order to ensure everyone's provided for, I need to, to pay for everything. And so then, if you say to them, no, 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 let me pay, hmm. what they hear is, you're telling me that I can't provide uh, and I can't fulfill my role as a father. Hmm.
1: Hmm.
0: And so it. And you can see how the other person could have a totally different story. Yeah. You know, where they're like, well, my commitment is for equality, you know, because if you're not equal, then you are unjust. And if you're unjust, then you're harming people. And I can't harm people. And they're like, no, no, let me pay. And you're like, are you saying it can't be equal? You're saying I have to harm people? You're saying I'm abusing? You know, like, and and so what's happening is we're trying to have a a very uh, delicate and quite intense conversation about clearing our different commitments of like either whose commitment should take priority here or what do we do about the fact that I'm committed to something and you're committed to something and it, and they're in conflict.
2: Hmm.
0: We're we're trying to have that conversation without actually talking about any of it, Hmm. just by talking about numbers and things instead. And so, uh, that's why it explodes because, you know, um, it's hard enough to have a conversation about your commitments anyway. Even yeah. if you were being super explicit about it, and um, and in terms of being clear, the thing with commitments is it's it's not just thoughts. You're not saying, "Well, what do you think about money?" It's actually about um, what's uh, what you're holding on to. You know what you're feeling. You know, it's not something you can look up in a book like "What's your commitment?" It's something that you carry. And so when you're having those conversations about commitments, um, you have to engage your thinking and your feeling. You know, you have to be there talking about what's true for you in that moment. Hmm. And, and so I think really what it comes down to is we, uh, we maybe don't hold those conversations um, kind of sacred enough. Like we don't hold them with enough compassion mm. um, or uh, f- friendliness, curiosity, um, maybe just not skillfully enough. And and if we're busy thinking, oh, well, money is, money is success, so that's, that's it. Then it's like we're saying, well, I'm not going to listen to what's happening in me, and mm. I'm not going to listen to what's happening in you. And I'm certainly not going to talk about success. I'm just going to talk about numbers then, uh, of course, it's going to be a really difficult conversation. Mm
2: -hmm. I think that strikes me is when you talked about, it's easy to skip over this stuff at the beginning because it comes from, it sounds like these can be crunchy conversations to have some people, if not many of us. Um, And I think of um, someone entering in a relationship with each other. It could be a couple or even, dare I say, Um, (laughs) co-founders. Is this a conversation you think people should have early on in their in their relationship to uncover this stuff even if it can be just a bit icky for people.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: just yeah. But um
0: one of the I find quite often little scripts really help, you know, like little one liners or something. Mm. Where it can feel like such a vast topic. Um and one thing I've fallen on recently is just saying um so how how do you think about money, right? Where, um, I can't think of it was, but I had a a client recently where, you know, we'd had a nice call about how we might work together. We probably chatted for three quarters of an hour about like, well, we could do this for the rest of the year. We do this many things. And it could feel like this is going really nicely. And there's obviously an overlap in what we can do together. Hmm. But I was feeling like, I don't know how to broach the
2: (laughs) subject. There's an elephant in the room.
0: Yeah, right. And um, and I could feel that if I said, right, well, uh, my fees are this and this, that that I might do that in such a way that I didn't allow enough space for them to say what they needed. Um, and if I went the other way and was like, oh, it's it's you know, it's by donation or it's pay what you can or whatever it is, then I might not be enough, be doing enough to say like well this is what I need or this is what it means to me or anything like that um, or if I said to them you know well you need to decide you know like I don't have a fixed fee it's you know it, it, it can be a way of not taking responsibility for it and and I fell on this this line of like um, so uh, how, how do you think about money and what it did was it, it kind of introduced a step between having a nice conversation about the work we might do and then the step where you decide how much, uh, is paid or, or, you know, how like the deal basically of how, how much is paid and when and, and why, and on what basis and things like that, introduced this little space in between those two things, which was like, Hey, let's have a chat about how, you know, it's kind of our money, personal money culture, you know? And, um, and the first thing that they said was what. (laughs) and I was like well you know just I mean how, how do you think about the money when it comes to this sort of work and and then after the initial what they were like oh right oh well basically um I do this work on a Friday and that's either my day for doing personal projects or for doing this kind of thing and so um uh, if it's this, then you know it would mean that I'd, I really like to get paid this and this. But then, if it's a project that means something to me, then it's you know more, more like this and this. And there's a window of that, and we could always do that. And pop blah, 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 blah And it's like we weren't negotiating; we hadn't hopped straight into like, well, do you value me, or is this important, or anything like that. Um, it was like showing our cards face up for a little yeah. while, and and it 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 gave it the space for it to be really interesting of like oh okay oh right oh that's you know and and it gave me more information so that when we came down to like okay so how much uh, am i going to pay you or you're going to pay me whatever it was um you could you could link it into that conversation about what are what are our commitments what are our priorities um and what i find is that when you when you can do that when uh your two human, alive people sitting next to each other, having a conversation about what matters to them, about what what's the priority, about what's the commitment, about whether that commitment is fixed or flexible. Um, when that's explicit, it becomes very beautiful, becomes very meaningful, um, and, and often like wildly entertaining as well, because because generally, I think as a culture, we you know in a so the business culture I knew growing up. Um, I didn't learn how to do that very well, and I didn't meet many people who knew how to do that work very well. And so, there can be a huge amount of relief just being able to have that conversation. And so, um, like I said at the beginning, I think skipping over the money conversation, skipping over like making a deal or setting a price or something like that, um, can mean things are neglected. Mm -hmm. Uh, Likewise, I think having a really a deep conversation about the money or, or really curious uh, exploratory open conversation about the money can be an accelerator
1: hmm.
0: uh, you know it like um i found with my sort of various experience with money over the year over the years of giving it taking it stealing it out of people's wallets i'm stolen out of people's wallets but like <laughs> um, and uh that that because it can get right into the heart of like what what matters to you you know what what's your priority um you get to know each other really quickly and so um it can be like a um what's the what's the thing like a hi- hyper speed
2: mm.
0: like a jump straight mm. into a, a very meaningful very trusting uh, relationship beyond the money
1: yeah for me, it sounds like these are skillful ways to create conversations that connect. And and what I'm hearing here is a lot of people, what happens is money becomes this barrier between you two, between some of you and someone else in terms of... It's like being on opposite sides of a wall. And I see one side of the wall, you see the other side of the wall, and we're just seeing different pictures. And because of that, we're not actually talking to each other. We're talking to this thing in the middle. And And I... I get this sense of like when you're able to essentially go see each other's side of the wall, which means inviting someone in around the other side, which feels quite vulnerable. And this is the thing I'm noticing about the challenge with this in a particular business culture where you have, if you have a perception of business being a very winner takes all who can dominate, how can I actually grab market share? that can be counterintuitive to having a conversation where you connect and be very clear and honest about what you think your view of money is because you feel you might be taken advantage of because if you let someone in and you have that vulnerable conversation, they have something on you. And so this is the interesting thing for me about the work that we're trying to do with building this community and trying to look at happiness and entrepreneurship it links into your conversation around money. So how can we have conversations around money that are much more clear, much more open, uh, and to a certain level, my view of money might be this and your view of money about this, but still be able to connect because we have, even though we have completely different value on money, that Mm -hmm. makes
0: sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And I, I think not quite sure what the right, um, metaphor is, but, uh, you're saying it can be like a wall between you, uh, and then this way, if you can see each other clearly through the money, because you can see what um, what it means to them, and you're showing what it means to you, then you could say you know it becomes a, a window rather than a wall, or it becomes a, a doorway uh, hmm. through the wall, and so it becomes a, a chance to to meet each other, to see each other, um, and I think I think in a way it might be a bit of a um, uh, a myth that that you know there is this sort of monolithic business culture of you know of pushing and striving and not talking about the money and not being vulnerable and things like that because if you talk to people who are really good at sales that's this what they do you know they're, they're working out what what matters to someone and they're trying to have that conversation where they uncover what it is and um And I I think when it's done really well, really good sales is just you know it's human connection, isn't it? It's Mm -hmm. about understand and it's compassion, you know, Um, and and if you tried to sell to people and you had a wall in front of you and they had a wall in front of them and you weren't you know connecting, weren't getting through that wall, then you wouldn't be very good at it, Mm -hmm. you know. I think one more thing to say about the wall is um, obviously it's not the money that's the wall. Um, And obviously if if that's the story that we get stuck with, that money is a wall, then it it almost will be a wall. Um, And it's not like I'm saying, oh, money is a window, and that's the answer. Um, But what might help If you look at that situation just the way you described it, Carlos, of like here's one person, here's another person, here's a wall between them or a window or a gateway whatever it is, Um, if we put the money to one side, what's actually happening? What's happening between those two people? And um, and I think at a level sort of below money, what we're talking about is if you're uh, self-conscious in a way where you're – you're like in the world but your primary your mode is primarily one of like self-regard or or self-importance um you can end up in this sort of uh state of drama you know where the person there can be someone sitting in front of you saying i want to help you tell me what you need i will i'll give you whatever you want like i don't care what you say i'm not going to judge you what do you need and if you're in your you know cave with the wall up you can be like oh i don't know what they're saying but i'm not going to listen because i'm too worried about money and like you know i'm such a failure because you know money is success and i haven't got any and so i'm and and if you have two people who are in that that space of um kind of lost in their own drama playing out the drama um uh, then they you can't see each other and you can't see the world and so the, the clarity that I talk about when I talk about clarity uh, isn't available because you don't know what's happening here and now because you're off in your own personal theatre playing out uh, when someone stole your pocket money when you're 15 and and how that's definitely what's happening here and they're going to do it again um, or you know what you imagine might happen if you know you lose all your money and you end up in a ditch and um and I think that would that you know the ending up in a ditch uh was on my mind particularly when we're thinking about this and how to worry less about money and how to handle our money and our relationship with money at the moment in a time of potential great uncertainty for people it's sort of this thing of checking um if i'm asking myself what do i need to do now what do i need to do today this week this month with my work with my business with my money Is it gonna help if I'm devoting all of my time to being up here in my little theater, obsessing about ending up living in a ditch uh, or under a bridge or or whatever? Is that gonna help? Or am I gonna be clearer if I'm just focused on that all the time? Or is it gonna help if I'm able to like, uh aha, okay, well, that's a possibility. That might happen, it might not happen. You know, the nature of uncertainty, don't know. I'm gonna put it down and um, Abandon the drama Like o- open up uh, Be vulnerable turn myself to the world and be confronted by like, okay, what is happening now or uh, you know what? Um, who is around who can help who can I help and And it's that clarity of actually being here being now and doing what's needed here and now that um, that gives you the capacity to do what's needed.
1: Hmm. So kind of relating to, you know, where we started off with in terms of worrying less about money, what's coming across to me is this idea that the worry is is based in the stories and without understanding the stories, then the worry takes over.
2: Mm-hmm. So while we're
1: not talking about, okay, you know, we, there's, there's the tangible issue, right? If money isn't coming in, what do you do? And that's a practical problem. And then there's a less, uh, there's a, a, maybe a, a deeper challenge of actually what reactions are coming up for me that's stopping me from actually acting and doing anything about it because I don't know the, where these feelings are coming from. Is that a reflection?
0: He, yes, and, and they're not separate. I don't think there is a kind of, well, on the one hand, there's practical matters of bills and blah, blah, blah. And then on the other hand, this sort of, you know, wafty, airy, fairy you know psychological discussion of, of money it's like it, it in the end it all comes down to commitments. it all mm-hmm. comes down to what you committed to doing um, like uh, when you think oh god I've got to find the money for the rent next month uh, what you're really saying is I'm committed to finding the money for the rent or I'm committed to um, having a roof over my head and then you have a series of commitments that kind of um, how you see yourself doing that um, You know, by um, staying in the job, uh, finding a new job, finding a new client, uh, whatever it might be. And when, when that sort of stra- strategic plan that you have in your head is invisible to you and unquestioned, then you're a bit limited in how you can move and like, I'm, I might be talking about it quite theoretically, but like what I mean is um, I know countless times over the years uh, of, you know, running my own business um, where you can look in the bank account and it's a lot emptier than you'd like it to be. And um, and the scared bit of you just says, <clears throat> uh, um, check all your emails, you know, like, uh, like uh, just be on the computer more, uh, spend more time in the office or something like that. And, uh, and it's because at some point, I've baked that into my head. as the, the right response always. You know, if I'm running out of money, then spend more time in the office because more time in the office means more work, means more money, boom, there you are, done. And if I don't have the um, uh, space or, or capacity or, or skill or whatever it might be to question that, then i just sit in the office getting more and more worried and more and more upset and more and more tired and less and less helpful to anyone and um the beauty of doing this work of noticing what stories we're telling about money is that we can become more uh, firstly aware of what we've committed to what strategies we're, we're choosing um, and secondly more able to be flexible with them um, And so I'm, I'm gradually getting more skillful at it where um, I looked at my bank account and been like, Oh, I, you know, there should be more in there. Um, and I felt the urge like, Oh, I just need, I need to get in the office. I need to, you know, sell things, whatever it is. And, um, and I've managed to, to, (coughs) uh, wait notice how compelling a story that is that I have no choice and then um take a little time and check okay but what do I actually need um and then I I, like I use the clear ideas process myself um to check like okay what's actually needed what you know what am I committed to really and is this going to help and I actually you know just by sitting down and going when I think of what I need to do is sitting in the office today the best way of doing it Uh, most of the time you know I can tell when it's a no. I think everyone can tell when it's a no. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: It's just that second voice that says, yeah, but the money means you end up doing it anyway, even though you can kind of feel it's wrong. Um, And so what I've found uh, through this, through like finding some clarity about what what the money means and and what the stories are and knowing that they're not um, fixed and non-negotiable Is I've allowed myself to entertain the possibility of doing the other thing, like okay, what if even though I'm panicking, you know, in fear and feeling that the only option is to sit at my desk, what if I go for a walk in the woods instead? And then I I might be able to just feel inside like that is absolutely what I need to do, Um, and still feel the full panic of like, but you can't because you'll die or something. and, and I've had a, a cu- period, I had a couple of weeks where um, every day I was like, oh, I need to do fearful business mode, you know, and be like cold calling or something. And every morning being like, no, I need to stay the course. Like I need to do, you know, if I ask myself, what do I need to be doing? It's this thing, this, you know, longer term thing. Um, and so do I need to do that today? Yeah, that's what I need to do. And just sort of staying with it and staying with it and doing what's needed rather than doing what my kind of unquestioned fear tells me is the best thing to do
2: mm-hmm. sounds like there we had this discussion a bit last week about there's a lot of talk about using this time that we supposedly have but i've yet to find it in this period to do the thing we've always wanted to do whether it's create that online course write a book learn the guitar um but i think if money's a worry which is for a lot of people at the moment this kind of feeling of sinking you know like almost scarcity comes in like you said looking at the bank balance and seeing it dwindling or or non-existent um doesn't feel like a great place to be creative from i I think you kind of alluded to that when you said the worst thing you could probably do right now at that moment is go into doing mode and, and scrambling for any sort of crumbs of comfort almost so it sounds like just that pause is the starting point, is it, for you, for you to, before, um, before reacting? Uh, oh, God, yeah.
1: <laughs> just a quick thing, we, got, we have about 10 minutes left, and I'd like to go into questions. So maybe if you finish off with that, and then we'll look at some of the questions that have been posted, if that's okay.
0: Yeah, the, the only thing I'd add to that, Lawrence, is um, uh, that it's not saying, on the one hand, there's action Uh, Which is bad and on the other hand they're sort of being all quiet and reflective and passive which is good, but it's that Where if you can hold on long enough to work out what's actually needed and what you're actually committed to in that moment Then when you're working from that place your action becomes incredibly powerful and so it's it's finding that powerful action rather than The sort of (laughs) half-assed of fear and you know inner conflict playing out So yeah, that's all so go ahead Carlos
1: Great well i think we might tackle some of this as well in the questions because there's some really interesting ones a uh, bit of a chunky one as well from duncan i see i'm not sure if he'll be able to take tackle that as, in the way he'd like but we'll see but to start off with hazel uh, had this question how do i manage feelings of anxiety and panic around the feeling of not being ready to launch an online business uh, have some sk- have some ideas, but feeling lack of clarity, tech skills, equipment, business plan. Uh, she feels the pressure to create a new source of income as the old one is no longer available. So I think he was talking a little bit to what you just, you know, you two were both talking about this feeling of scarcity, but also um, a need to create something new. So uh, any initial thoughts? And plus, firstly, Hazel, you're in the right place with a happy startup school. So <laughs> it's one of the things that we are tackling on a daily basis. But we we good to um, well. We'll see how we can answer your question now.
0: Um, So what I'd say is what I often find is uh, the the like drama of how to do something, or the kind of question of like, am I ready or not ready, can be is often a sign that the commitment isn't clear enough. You know, the idea for the business isn't quite clear enough. Um, and, And if I take people through the clear ideas process then if they become clear of like oh why am i doing this why do i need to do this online business like what's gonna what's gonna look like if it's successful then the power that comes from kind of being very accurately connected to what matters to you um can sort of smash through the drama um and it becomes a sort of so many times where like people like oh i don't know how to do this i don't know how to do that and i get them clear on what they're doing and I say well should we come back to all those questions you had about how you do it and they're like no they're all fine you know so like um if it's possible to get clearer and more concentrated more focused on what you're doing on what matters in what you're doing um then sometimes you don't even need to engage with the the drama or with the the fear of like am i ready or not um then when it comes to the question of am i ready or not uh what i found is that It's the uncertainty of which position to take uh, that that is most disruptive. So like, um, it's the, am I ready or not? Like not knowing the answer to the question ends up being a barrier. You know, it's almost like someone saying, should I take the left path or the right path? Like, I don't know whether to take the left right, left path or the right path, then you can't do anything. Um, But what you find is that both paths end up at the same place. And so if you have your beautiful idea for what your, you know, online business is going to be, then if you say, I'm going to start it and not be ready, then you can just be like, oh, okay, I'm committing to starting it despite not being ready. And then you can get this whole kind of exciting feeling of doing something a bit risky, you know, Mm -hmm. and putting yourself out there and it can be kind of fun Um, or you can choose the other path and say, like, I'm just going to work on the basis that I am ready. And as soon as you say that, it's almost like you're um, you entertain the possibility that maybe I am ready. Actually, your mind will start to look for evidence that that's true. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm going to start my online business, and actually I am ready. And you're like, well, yeah, I've been preparing for a lot of years for this. And you know, if everyone else can work out how to use Zoom in the last two weeks, then maybe I can, or whatever it might be. And mm-hmm. um, and so, I think being finding a way to happily entertain both possibilities, uh, solves the problem, you know, solves the, the anxiety, um, trying to avoid either one or being stuck, you know, between the two paths, uh, creates the the anxiety.
2: Hmm. I think what you said resonated, like you, when you're asking someone about what it is they're trying to do when you start with, I think you said, what do you need right now? What do you, why are you doing this? Yeah. Um, And not why you're doing this from i want to change the world but what do you need from this i think we found that when people tune into that what the need is that's driving it maybe it's a need for um autonomy if they're trying to start their own business for the first time once you tune into that then i think you can embrace that i'm not ready and it's okay rather than i need to be ready before i take that first step yeah yeah
0: it's like tuning into the appetite
1: Another thing I'd offer for you, Hazel, is one of the things that makes us not do anything is fear of failure. And we think, okay, we're not ready and we're not ready because we're not ready. It's going to fail. And so if we fail, then we're bad. Um, If you can shift from fear of failure to thinking of the opportunity of actually being able to help someone at some point. And so you're going to start a journey to um, ultimately help someone then whether you fail the first time or the second time, it doesn't matter because what you're trying to do is get to that point of being able to help this person you've got in mind at some point. And you'll learn the tech skills, you'll get the clarity, you find the equipment, you'll write the business plan because what you want to really do is have a positive impact on someone's life. And that hopefully will also pull you through making a decision of either left or right.
0: I think that's really beautifully put, Carlos. And I think coming back to that wall or window or wall or, or gateway, um, when you're when it's about me, when it's about me, then the wall goes up. You know am like, oh, am I ready or not? Am I okay or not? Am I going to be safe or not? Am I I'm in my own drama, and I think I think it's a really reliable way of switching the wall into a window or into a gateway. Like you say, of thinking of the other people, thinking of like your service to the world, your contribution of like who needs the help, who, who you know who can you help it draws you out of the drama and into into the like reality. Nice. Cool. Um
1: I'm conscious we've got a few more questions here. Uh I'm gonna start with all right, we've got Farah here. Let's see if we can tackle her. How can I get to worry less about money if I want to switch to an entrepreneur job while I'm an employee today? So there's a well how would you like... I think we've talked to this a bit, but maybe if you want to address it specifically to Farah's question.
0: Um, I, th- I think you, you might not. <laughs> like, um, from my experience, it can be really nice having a salary, you know, just knowing that the money is going to be there every... Or at least being able to tell yourself the story that the money is going to be there every month. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, there's, there's quite a few well, salary jobs that I've been in in the past where you kind of don't have to think about money at all. You know, as long as you show up in the morning, you leave at the end of the day, the money gets, you know, ends up in your account. Um, and, and I think uh, it can be, it can just be the nature of being an entrepreneur that you have to confront that it's, it might just be up to you to, to um, find the money each month. And it might be different amounts of money each month. And so um, I think you might have to think more about money. You might have to engage more with money. And so the question then is just, does it have to be worry that you bring to it? And and I think the answer is no, it doesn't have to be. <laughs> um, and I had a conversation with a, a, a coaching in L.A. Who I'm working with um, last week, and he said the thing that he realized was like, oh, what if I didn't have any drama around money? Like, what would that change if, um, if I could just, you know, like, leave my job, become an entrepreneur, but kind of bake in my commitment is just to have no drama around money. And just whenever it shows up, like, no, not going to do it. And, and always look for that kind of creative uh, way I think just doing a few of these things of like asking people what it means to them and having some of those nice conversations about money mm-hmm. um, will give you the experience of money actually being an opportunity to, to meet someone well um, and, and get to know someone well. And then um, and those moments where it can be confronting, can be you know valuable lessons and so on. And so I think just have, having a practice around money, like trying. To, to find a way for it to be fulfilling or creative for the, for the relationship to be fulfilling and creative um would be like and baking that into your life as an entrepreneur your strategy yeah. as an entrepreneur and say so that would be the best
2: way yeah i often think like you said you have to own that relationship to it that it is part of it feels like get, how can i get on a roller coaster without feeling a bit of fear it's like you're going to feel a bit of fear <laughs> um don't go on it But I also think what what might you worry less about? And maybe there's something, another part of your life, Farah, that that you won't be worried as much about. Maybe it's a feeling of, I want to create something and I'm hamstrung by the the ramen. So uh, I think it's give and take, it feels like, with this stuff. um...
1: I like, um, I'll go back to um, Charlie's uh, two paths. Um, And there's one path which is not worrisome. and and will be business as usual i think of going on a holiday i can go to a holiday i've been to every single year for the past 10 years i know it's a lovely cottage i'll stay there be comfortable or i go on this mad adventure which i don't know how it's going to turn out it might be scary but if anything i will learn something about myself where i learn something new and i will worry but i'm more curious about what i'll discover that's new and so for me, a lot of this is reframing, not that you're going to not worry less. You can't not worry, but what is out there that could be more exciting and interesting the way than the different path you could take.
2: Mm.
1: And maybe that will help you de- accept the worry because you'll have the excitement.
2: Yeah, I remember thinking that when I first went freelance, it was scary for the first month or two, like, oh, I'm no idea what's coming in next month to, oh, I'm going to have a lot of time on my hands if I'm not working. (laughs) So it became exciting. And then it became, well, if it doesn't work, then it's my fault. So how do I make the most of this time to to bring in something? And then you get more pragmatic about it. But I find it quite freeing after a while. I've got one one thing to add. Um, I think,
0: so, you know, it's such a promising title, right? How to worry less about money. And I think if the motivation for that is basically how can I feel less, then you're, 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 you've you're gone down the wrong path. You know, if you're kind of saying, how can I be less confronted by being alive? You're like, well, you know, that might not be, you, sure, you know, get drunk, that, then you'll worry less about money in that moment, you know, whatever. Um, but it's sort of, I think it's about having a, a better relationship with those moments of confrontation so when if money confronts you you know by not being there or by being there or by apparently you know asking you to do things you might not want to do or, or, or whatever or promising you can do things you might want to do then um then f- feeling that letting yourself feel that confrontation and inquiring into it with with curiosity and as much clarity as you can muster um i think is that's where the most value comes from mm. you, know, you become clearer you can become clearer through having um a relationship with money that is based in in curiosity mm. yes.
1: yeah right um i'm gonna we'll have one more question because i'm conscious now we we're past the one o'clock mark but there's uh three votes on this one so this is uh and this is a bit of a chunky one but we'll see how we can tackle this uh how could this lockdown period change our stories about money thank you ray (laughs) uh do we have anything for that
0: um i we were talking about noisy neighbors um, and this thing of like how can you be playing music that loud when everyone is locked in their houses and surely you can and and one mm-hmm. of the thoughts that you know uh, one of the thoughts I had uh, about that was being locked in your house doesn't automatically make you a better person <laughs> right um, I don't think any of these external circumstances necessarily make anything better because because being clear is a skill you know it's like tennis or sewing or whatever cooking and um and you nothing external really can make you better at, at playing tennis you know you, you just have to do it and and you have to develop the skill and so it's like I think the only thing that's going to change your relationship with money is is investing in learning and practicing the skill of, of relating to it um, with, with or without a lockdown and and so maybe maybe the only way it can help is in the same way with cooking you know how can the lockdown uh, help me with my cooking is I might have more time to do it, or I might be less distracted. Um, you know, I might be spending more time in my house, and that's where my kitchen is. Um, I might be eating takeout less, and um, and so if you use a lockdown as an opportunity, if if you have more, if you have more time and space, mm. and use some of that time and space to invest in learning and practicing how to relate to money in a way that's clearer, that's more creative, then then you can get some benefit but like yeah i don't think it's going to happen automatically just by locking the door
2: <laughs> makes me wonder whether because there's a similar question about all sorts of things around conscious and you know say climate change you know is this going to change things when we go back to the old world or whatever comes next um and if it sounds like from what you're saying you can have that space maybe where you have some of these realize, realizations because i guess some people are thrown into this, almost like a forced pause, maybe against mm. their will. Um, but unless it sounds like, unless you use that time to to explore that, then you'll fill it with Netflix or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've watched a lot of Netflix. <laughs> or shouting across I, the fence at your no, noisy neighbours.
1: Also- On one hand, Charlie, I, I'm, I'm with you in that, this lockdown might not necessarily change anyone. And as soon as we're released, we will just run back to our old behaviors and do the same stuff, maybe even faster and harder because we haven't been able to do it. But And so in terms of the money stories, I'm not sure how much is going to change. I do hope, though, it's going to change our perception of what's valuable. For instance, having to clap every Thursday at 8 p.m., not even having, just going out and clapping and realizing what people are doing to help and what that means in terms of the value that they are creating and actually how much they're they've been paid in the past. And I'm talking about key workers and and nurses and doctors, etc. How oh, that might shift people's perceptions. Uh, and also, you know, we're stuck, we can't do anything now. And so we I remember someone saying it's like it's like the world is on pause and so I don't need to go anywhere. And whether that might permeate into people's minds like actually I don't have to rush.
0: Yeah, I, I think one of the one of the things we started off with was I was talking about uh, bias and conditioning. You know, of like we learn a whole bunch of stories about what money is, or, or um, what we should think it means, or how we should use it, or, or just and and the the most difficult thing when it comes to being flexible in our stories about money is that feeling of like, well, it's just how it is, you know, and and I, th- I guess the amazing. Uh, thing that's happened it doesn't feel as like it's okay to say amazing about anything to do with what's happened but like um a really significant thing that's happened is there are so many things that you might have always assumed were just how things are that aren't how things are now you know so like um like with the in, environmental uh you know campaigns over in recent years so many of them have been about like well if we could if there's any way of getting people to not fly, and the, the the you know, the biggest response has been like, Well, it's not possible. You know, there's nothing that would stop everyone from flying. And and it feels like, well, now going back into the world, you you can't fall into that unquestioned bias of like, no, everyone has to be flying all the time. Because we've we've seen it, we've experienced that like people do stop driving cars, do stop flying, you know. Um, that governments can take, you know, huge, make these huge moves uh, if the commitment is there. You know, and so just having had the experience of seeing that things aren't as fixed as we think they are, that there is actually more flexibility, that experience might bring us more clarity. Um, and but then I. I do you think beyond that you know that's almost like that's a door opening it's an opportunity to let go of our bias and then the question is you know um will we and i think that does depend on are you going to put in the effort to learn how to be clearer you know to to, um, to listen better to yourself and, and to each other
1: nice well on that note I'm sorry if we didn't manage to answer all of your questions, um, but I'm also conscious that yeah, um, you've probably got a lot to process <laughs> at the moment as well. Um, thank you very much, Charlie. It was awesome having you here and, and, and yeah, and having your having this conversation. Um, if people want to find out more about the work you do, um, why don't you let them know how to find you?
0: So I think the easiest thing is howtobeclear.com um and you can see a little bit about what i do there um and you can just get in touch so there's a form or an email or whatever to drop me a line if there's anything that feels useful um and and on medium i write about it a lot um which you can find through that site this publication how to be clear
1: um yeah nice well, the link is in the in the chat if you want to find out more about charlie's work um We're going to be here again next week uh, with uh, Shamash Aladina. He is the author of Mindfulness for Dummies. uh, And we're going to be talking about how we can rise uh, to the challenge, or rise to challenges, basically. Um, So looking forward to that conversation with him. Anything else you want to add, Lawrence?
2: No, just thanks to everyone for listening in. And it's been, as always, enlightening um and yeah we do this as much for ourselves just to have these conversations really I always come away feeling feeling energized and more connected um so so yeah thanks charlie and keep keep writing that poetry because that's something you didn't talk about um i think i find them particularly uh calming at times like this so thanks again for that stuff
0: thanks Lawrence. thanks carlos it's been a pleasure real
2: pleasure
1: bye bye everyone bye bye Thank you for listening to the Happy Entrepreneur Podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Also, if you'd like to learn more about being a happy entrepreneur and want to connect with more people like you, then go to our website, thehappystartupschool.com, and subscribe to our newsletter. Amongst many other things about business and life, we'll help you answer the following questions. How can I serve others by being myself? And how can I discover who I really am by serving others?